Hey mom friends, and welcome to another episode of the Four Moms Podcast, a verbal platform where we encourage and empower moms by talking about all things postpartum. We hear you, sis, and we are here for you. I am your host, Allison Nick, and today we are in part three, yes, part three of our single mom slate series where we are talking to single moms and how they have accomplished and achieved single motherhood (laughs) in our life. Today's guest is my cousin, Stephanie McGregor, who is a senior law lawyer as well as a partner slash shareholder at Godwin and Bozeman Law Firm here in Dallas, Texas. We had such a great conversation and not only does she talk about being a single mother, but what all it took to her becoming a lawyer, her journey down that road um, accomplishing corporate everything so it's just a really good conversation I can't wait for you all to ch- chat with her now something that I do want to do I want to read a, a review yes we have reviews <laughs> I'm so excited but I want to read one of the reviews this one is from IRPAKLW I enjoy this podcast so much. It's not only for all types of moms, but also women preparing to become a mom or are young moms. Very diverse in topics, and you can tell she keeps it authentic. Oh, so glad I found this podcast. Seriously, keep them coming. Thank you so much. And we also have another one from LA Skincare talking about our You Are Enough series, which was our first um series for our single mom slay it was our mommy bible study um first episode for single mom so it was a couple episodes ago y'all definitely should check it out it was good and it says you are enough this message was so timely thank you for all that you do y'all this means everything and whenever i say i truly mean it whenever i ask y'all to write these reviews because it, it really gives me fuel to keep going And I just appreciate everything that y'all do so much. I appreciate y'all tuning in because it just keeps me going. So if you haven't already, go real quick. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you can like, subscribe on your different platforms that you are listening to. I look at all the analytics and this is just great. This is just awesome. So let's go ahead and get into our interview, you guys. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I definitely did, but I didn't know how to do it until I ran to a girl at a meet and greet and she told me about Anchor. Now, Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's free and it's ridiculously easy to use. And as a mom, we all know that things that are free are valuable. <laughs> and Anchor can now match you with other great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. Yes, so that means you can start making money whenever you start recording your podcast. It's ridiculously easy. It's great. It's fun. It's easy to distribute. So if you want to start your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and other diverse podcasters here that already use Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. But real quick, before we get started in the episode, we of course want to raise our milk glass. And today's carepreneur is Olivia St. Ville, also known as Livy Bell. She is a fashionista who sews and she's only nine years old, you guys. And too cute. She makes little bows. She sews bows. And she is also a black belt in Taekwondo as well as an author. 
Okay, so this little girl is doing it. And the author of her book is the science behind it, formulating success at any age. She is doing incredible things. Um, I guess maybe she doesn't have a website right now, so you can't go and order or whatnot. But um, y'all should definitely go check her out on Instagram, Livy Bell Sews, L-I-V-Y-B-E-L-L-E-S-E-W-S, Livy Bell Sews. And yeah, yeah, y'all need to check her out. These little bows are cute. And she, oh, she made a unicorn shirt. I'm just looking at her feed right now. <laughs> but yes, we want to give a huge shout out to her and her mom, of course, for encouraging her and her little and her sister or her big sister, excuse me, who is a crazy athletic gymnast. So you can check both of them. Oh, both of them are black belts, too. Come on, mama. She knows what to do. OK. Anywho, y'all check them out. Let's go ahead and get on with the show. Hello, mom friends. Welcome to another episode. So today we have the pleasure of talking with Miss Stephanie McGregor. Stephanie is a partner at Godwin and Bowman here in Dallas, Texas. She graduated Texas A&M in 1999 with a political science degree and continued her law career or sorry, continued in law school at La Jolla. Did I say that right? Loyola. Loyola. See, look, Loyola <laughs> University in New Orleans. While she was there, she also experienced Hurricane Katrina. And Miss Gemma is here as well, as you can hear. Originally from Austin, Texas, Stephanie moved to Dallas, where she continued her law career and has been at Godwin and Bowman for 12 years. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here awesome. to talk to you and your listeners. <laughs> We're so excited <laughs> to have you. Um, so kind of going back to your bio you had said that you experienced we're gonna start off on a different note experiencing hurricane katrina mm -hmm. what was that like it was the most surreal experience ever mm -hmm. um there had been I, I lived in new orleans from 1999 to about 2006 mm -hmm. so there had been a number of hurricanes during that time and okay. some were small and you know no one no one would leave for evacuate for and then this one at the last minute um we decided that we would evacuate and we did and you know it took us 13 hours to go you know a couple of hundred miles uh, just past Lake Charles and it was just a surreal experience and then to go back into the city and to see the city devastated completely yeah. devastated yeah. Um, there would be X's on the on the houses to, to show that the search and rescue teams had been to had that been house there. and wow. had, you know, cleared it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could see the water line in all the neighborhoods wow. and you could tell exactly, you know, how high the water w went and yeah. past the front door or whatever. Wow. Um, and then it was just, it was quiet. It was a city that never sleeps. And then it, it literally was just dark because wow. there was no power and there was no gas and the grocery stores were open you know, two hours a day, and, mm. and it went on like that for months. Wow. Um, I, it hit at the end of August, and I don't think I returned. I was working at the Louisiana Supreme Court then, and I didn't return back to the court until November, mid-November. Wow. So, um, and during that whole time, the, the city was just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So. Have you been back since? I have. I had um, a really big case there. Um, in 2010, I don't know if you've heard of the Deepwater Horizon. It was a big oil spill um, out in the Gulf of Mexico. Yes, 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 oil yes. Spill. yes. Um, we represented um, Halliburton. Okay. And so I was on the trial team for that case. So we spent about 
three years there until I had Kennison. Okay. So I was there six days a week until I had Kennison. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so I got to experience New Orleans from a completely different perspective yeah. than, than broke law students. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you being a lawyer, what made you, did you always want to be a lawyer? What made you get into this field? I... My parents say that when I was four or five, I decided I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. Um, apparently, I used to like to have them uh, chase ambulances. So I would see an ambulance or a rescue squad going somewhere, and I'd be like, ooh, can we go see what they're doing? <laughs> so basically, I was nosy. That was but... <laughs> So I was the nosy kid who always wanted to be in the know and to figure out what was going on. So um, I think since that time, my parents were like, oh, she's going to be a lawyer. And then it just was in my head, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah. So um, when it came time to decide what I was going to study mm-hmm. uh, in undergrad, I went pre-law and did political science. And there's not much else you can do with a political science degree besides go to law school. Yeah, or, or teach. Or, or teach. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and I always told myself, if I don't pass the bar the first time, I'm going to go back and be a teacher because I have the degree to do that. So what? So you passed it the first time. I did. That is awesome. Because you always hear people talking about that experience um, with passing the bar or even taking like paramedic school mm-hmm. or things of that mm-hmm. nature. So that's yeah. awesome. No, I, I definitely, I wasn't going to do it again. <laughs> I was like, one and done. The first time. like one and done. If it doesn't happen, it's not my, not my plan. So what was your journey like becoming a lawyer? We kind of already talked about Hurricane Katrina and mm-hmm. just that influence, but getting to the top, especially you being African-American woman. Um, and then we'll talk about later becoming a partner later on in your career. But mm-hmm. what, what did your journey, what did your journey look like becoming a lawyer? Um, so starting out, even in, in law school, um, I got waitlisted at a couple of the bigger schools, the SMUs, the University of Texas. Then I got an awesome opportunity at Loyola where I got um, a scholarship. Oh, so awesome. I, I started there and, and realized, you know, I can, I can make this dream happen. Yeah. Um, so after law school, I, I clerked for the Louisiana Supreme Court. Um, I worked on a lot of criminal appeals there. Um, death penalty cases uh, like that. So I decided at that point I would not uh, do criminal law. So <laughs> okay. um, that helped. It helped me narrow it down. What um, is this practice? This is commercial litigation. Okay. I do. It's big businesses suing usually other big businesses. Okay. So like um, the like, like the, the deep water horizon oil, okay. oil spill. And uh, so. After the Supreme Court, I I clerked there, and then I was a staff attorney for a couple of years. Um, I think my my career has kind of been structured by happenstance. Um, I decided uh, after Katrina that I was ready to get out of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I just started blindly applying. I knew what I didn't want to do, which was criminal law. But I had no (laughs) idea really what I wanted to do. I'd always said in law school that I wanted to be a corporate lawyer, like just transactional, Mm -hmm. you know, drafting contracts, drafting forms. Yeah. Then I realized that sounded really boring. Yeah. Just doing paperwork. um, I started... When I moved, first moved to Dallas, I had a job as a plaintiff's lawyer, um, and I worked for an envir- environmental firm. It was kind of like the mesothelioma cases that you see, you okay. know, the commercials for. It was okay. one of those, um, those firms. So I worked on the plaintiff's side a lot. 
um, helping people. Yeah. And then I realized that still wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of case management, not a lot of like digging into the actual file and getting into the case. Not being nosy. Not being nosy. Exactly. It limited my nosiness. It did. So um, then I came here and at my current firm, we do commercial litigation, um, big businesses, like I said, suing other big businesses. And we take the cases from, you know, beginning to end. So I know the facts kind of going in and, and draft the petition if we are on the plaintiff side or or draft the answer which if we're typically on the defense side Mm -hmm. um and just defend our clients we have a lot of cases that it's like make or break litigation like if if our company or our client loses then um it could bankrupt the company so um they're they're pretty pretty high stakes um so that's kind of been my my journey and in going from law school to and knowing having no clue what I wanted to do with mm-hmm. my law career yeah um, to kind of finding my niche here yeah and I think a lot of times whenever we go to school or go to college and we have an idea of what we want to do and then as you were saying as life happens we kind of get steered into the direction of where we want to go and sometimes it's by chance and sometimes it's by experiencing things that were like I don't want to do this. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Process of elimination. Exactly. Yeah. But you're still kind of clearing, um, in a sense, you're still crossing things off or crossing maybe crossing things on your list of what you want to do. Right. So last year, you became partner. It was last year, right? It was last year. Okay. Uh-huh. 2018. You became a partner, a partner here at Godwin and Bowman, mm-hmm. and which is huge, obviously. <laughs> it's huge. For our mom friends out here that have the same desires of becoming a lawyer or even just climbing the corporate ladder, what kind of tips, what tips can you give them on climbing it and making it to the top? Um, let's see. Um, well, one, every, every journey is different, but I, it really just takes perseverance and, and being, having a thick skin. Yeah. So I know there's a lot, there's a lot of racial insensitivity in any job or any field anything yeah. I you'll you'll feel it he in in the legal field mm-hmm. I mean I've been referred to as the paralegal oh. I've been asked if in I'm the, the you know if I'm the support staff or if I'm you know the court reporter like I'm actually taking this depot this is this is these are my associates you yeah. know um so so uh, developing a thick skin and, mm-hmm. and knowing that if you have the faith in yourself, you know you can do it, and yeah. don't let anyone else tell you you can't. Um, I think it's really important to find a good mentor. Okay. Um, I I have a couple of younger lawyers that African American young lawyer female lawyers that I have kind of taken under my wing, and I'm like, they'll call me and they're like, I'm having this issue at work, and yeah. I'm like, some of it is that you have to deal with it. Yeah. It's not. We can't change everyone's minds yeah. about whatever stereotype they have about us um, er, in anything. I mean, even just female lawyers in general. Oh, okay. There's still kind of the misconception that they that they are the paralegal or that we are mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the support staff. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's make your own way, show that you're competent, don't let anyone get you down. You know that you have the ability to do what yeah. you need to do, and yeah. just don't let anyone take that from you because yeah. people will try and try and take it from you. They'll yeah. 
they'll assert their masculinity or their, you know, mm-hmm. white maleness or, or, or black maleness. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so just maleness you know, in just general. Maleness. You know, like men, they'll, they try to make it seem like you don't know what you're doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and it's a very much male dominated field. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just stand your ground and, you know, and don't let them see you sweat. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can do that in your office when you close the door. I was about to say that. I, was, I heard a lot of different women, especially in corporate say, I just go to the bathroom or I just go to my office and I cry it out mm-hmm. and I come back and, Perfectly you know, just fine. recompose yeah. yourself. Exactly. Exactly. You can't, you can't let it, you can't let it uh, shake you in their presence. So having a daughter, Mm-hmm. How does that, how does your experience of going through corporate and going through being a lawyer, does that, how does that experience maybe teach you different things you want to teach her and how she's, you know, just in the future she goes through, you know, high school and college and as she grows up. By the way, this is my cousin. <laughs> so I can ask these questions. <laughs> um, I, you know, Kennison is very assertive. I was very headstrong. Very, very headstrong. Very determined. Um, she so I don't I don't know if it's I guess some of it has come from me um but I I want her to keep that you know I heard someone refer to her like they didn't know I was standing there in daycare when she was like maybe two and Mm -hmm. they were like Kennison is so bossy um and I I was proud of that Mm -hmm. because I'm like well she's not being bossed though (laughs) so you know your child lets Kennison boss her around that's on you mm-hmm. like that I don't I don't fault her for that mm-hmm. um if she wants to lead then I want her to lead so yeah. I have always expressed to her that uh, not to be rude but to be assertive and yeah. to if you want something you go after that yeah. so and I, I think you know I've, I've done that in corporate America and in the legal field and I would want her to do the same you know I, I don't want her to be a lawyer when she grows up but, <laughs> but I do want her to to continue to being a boss yeah. um, her her kindergarten or pre-k teacher they did the little award assembly assembly and um she was named future CEO I and I, I think I that it's just her they knew her so well yeah. because I think she will she'll be somebody's judge she'll be someone's boss she'll be some She'll be somebody. Fortune She's going to have some employees. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> she definitely will. I was going to get to my answer. So sorry. Yeah, she would definitely be somebody's mm-hmm. boss in some sh- some shape, form, or fashion. Y'all watch out for the name Kennison. Okay? <laughs> now, on top to climb into the top, you became a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and your single mom story comes from a place of loss. And we won't dig into that. But what was it like knowing that you were going to have to raise this beautiful little girl on your own? Scary. Yeah. 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 It's completely unexpected. Scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, so I've had so much help. You know, your family's been amazing to me. Um my family's been amazing Um, just to have the support system like just to talk to or just to take her for an hour yes um because like I said it was such an unexpected journey but Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't know I don't know at now I don't know what it would be like not to be a single mom you know yeah yeah, going through it now exactly so um yeah just it it takes asking for help and accepting help when you need it yes, even if you don't think you need it mm-hmm. if someone's going to offer to take 
you know, your baby overnight, please do. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that, even if I just sleep my, you know, my evening away. Exactly, yeah. It gives you some time for rest. Yes. Um, did you feel like you... So, because you come from a two-parent household. Mm-hmm. And so then having a different household for your daughter was there anything that you were maybe like am I am I being enough oh every day yeah I feel like one I feel like I've failed her in some ways because I haven't given her the life that I had Mm -hmm. um and she asked for it I mean she's six and Mm -hmm. she wonders and she you know yeah she doesn't see her dad and Mm um I I have no explanation for her yeah. at this point in her life. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like I have given her something. I have not given her something that was so important to me growing up. Yeah. Um, but I know that I'm doing the best I can and mm-hmm. I'm trying to give her everything in the world from, you know, the knowledge base that she has to, um, you know, just different stuff that I didn't have growing up. That, yeah. You know, I, I don't fault my parents for. It's just... A, have, yeah, I lead a just, different life. And yeah, they, exactly. You know, um, I know there's nothing that will really can um, can take the place of her having her father in her life. Mm-hmm. But I just I have to remind myself that I'm I'm doing what I can do, exactly. and and I know that I'm doing more than some do. You know, yeah. even with two parents, and mm-hmm. um, and it's not even a monetary thing. It's just a a time, and you know, like. People ask what I do on the weekends, and I'm like, I hung with with my kid. Like, yeah. that's, like that's what I wanted to spend my weekends exactly. doing, you know. Um, so, you know, I've I've I, I figured it out in the last six years, and and made it have made made it work, and I'm hoping to continue to make it work. Okay. Well, let me just first say that you were doing, um, you know, an excellent job. Thank I you. I just know she's in some of the best programs. As far as school is um, considered, she's already at her third summer camp. She fourth. is. Fourth, fourth summer camp. Yeah. Fourth summer camp. Yeah. She's getting all the experience in the world, and she's traveling. Yes. That's been yeah. our thing. Yes. Trap. Travel. She travels. <laughs> so she, like, yeah. like, she goes by herself. Right. Y'all travel. We travel together. Exactly. Y'all travel, and, um, like, even her photo shoots, baby. Because she... <laughs> Her photo sessions, even uh, impromptu or not, they, <laughs> she is the best little model. <laughs> she is. She's, 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 she's funny. Yeah. She is. She is funny. Uh, what has been the hardest adjustment or trial being a single mom? I think the hardest trial is just becoming a single mom literally overnight. Walking in those shoes. Just, you know, the experience of, oh, I have to do this on my own. Not only do I have to figure out how to physically make time to do it all, mm-hmm. you know, go to work, you know, get the baby from daycare on time. And with my work hours, it, that was often, you know, a challenge. Yeah. Um, so just figuring out the logistics of it. And trying to figure out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to get this all done in a 24-hour time time yeah. period. And, you know, that was scary and hard when she was three months old. But now that she's six, I'm, you know, normal. It's a breeze It's now. a breeze. It's a breeze you know, now. She, She's got a lot more sass now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it physically is much easier. And I'm, I'm more at peace with it. Yeah. Okay. What is important for any woman walking into this situation to know? That you can't do it alone. 
You have to have a support system. You have system. to have a support system. Yeah. It's just impossible to do it alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, because anything could, could come up. I mean, in my situation, it was who's going to... I, I'm, I'm scheduled to pick up Kennison. Her aunt would pick her up on certain days when she was um, in daycare. Mm-hmm. And I had a late afternoon hearing, emergency hearing. Yeah. And I was in the courtroom at 6 o'clock still. Yeah. So I had to trust my system and call one of my really good friends, get him to come to the courtroom to get my keys, Yeah. take my car with my car seat, <laughs> and go pick up my baby. Because And I just had to trust... He, he wasn't a kid person. Yeah. I had to trust that he could do it and would do it for me because I, he was a good friend. So it's just about trusting and, and getting that support. Okay. Accepting that support. And I think something for all moms, having that support system as well, it's, it's important. It's vital. It's important. And to depend on that support system as well. Mm-hmm. How has motherhood enhanced you? Uh, this it sounds so cliche, but it it's really completed me. Oh. I I I lost my mom about a year, two years before Kennison was born. Okay. So, like now I understand. I understand her more. Okay. I understand everything that she did for us and yeah. why she was hard on us about certain things and and why she was more lax on us about certain things mm-hmm. and. Um, so it's given me a new perspective on my mom's life. Yeah. In addition to giving me like this little mini me that I, you know, it's like my, my mini me is whenever you posted that picture, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is you and Kenneth. Like, <laughs> she actually thinks that's her in that picture. Does she? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I was like, no, that's mommy, not not you, little girl. That is so cute. Yeah. I love that. So it's it's been it's been eye opening to see mm-hmm. kind of you know from from the perspective of the, the grandmother's perspective to see how much you really love a child and, yeah. and how much it, it changes your life. It changes your whole world. It, it like does. You, you live for something different every day. Exactly. <laughs> thank you for coming in at that part. <laughs> yes, thank you. You agree? You Yes, I agree. <laughs> and I think even, um, like you were saying, how you understand your parents' viewpoint, um, I know whenever I was in school, my mom would always tell me, you know, get all the experiences you can, you know, do study abroad, do all these type of things. And I was just so like, uh-uh, like, no. Right. And now as I'm a parent, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done right. some things. Right. I wish I would have done things differently. I wish I would take things more seriously. I wish, I wish, I wish. Um, because now, not that I can't, but it's just it's a little bit more difficult right. to do those type of things. It takes a little bit more time to save up yeah. for those things exactly. um, from what I could have done then. So, yes, I, I completely <laughs> understand that. What do you want people to know about single moms that may not be true or something that's maybe a common misconception? Hmm. Uh, I guess that single moms don't necessarily discount the role of the father okay. in, in the child's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we make do and we do we do what we have to do. Does that make sense? It's yes. like, I, yeah, it'd be great to have Kennison's father in our life, but the fact that he's not doesn't, I mean, if I were to meet somebody, I would love for her to have that, that figure in her life, and yeah. I don't discount that role, but I'm able to do it without. Yes. That, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you feel like um, maybe a father could not necessarily do better, but something that they could 
um, really helping in bringing up a child or maybe a daughter specifically. It would be great to have someone to be the good cop, cop to my bad cop. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, I can't play off myself, you yeah. know? I, yeah. I can't say, you know, go ask your father or go tell your father what you did. I've got to balance both roles of being like complete authoritative person over her and also like sweet lovey mom yeah it's a hard balance yeah and i often fail at it because i don't <laughs> want to be the bad guy yeah when i'm the only guy yeah you know exactly. so i do think that's that's the difficult part about uh a part about being being a single mom See, that's no use your support system mm, like, yes like like lula and, and your dad and he's like oh well Go, oh, go that's what, what I do. So <laughs> I call her aunt and I say, Kennison did this at school. She needs a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. So I call her and, and, and tell on her and, and take her to her aunt's house so that uh -uh. she can get this. I can't, I just can't always do it. And she will listen to her, Amy. She does not listen to me. So, yeah, I do that. I'm, I did not know you was telling me, baby. I have done that many times. Many, many times. What you say? To get the point across, I have to do this, okay? It has to be done. That is hilarious. She yeah, she doesn't take me as seriously as she in certain instances yeah like you mess up in school lula is gonna get you <laughs> your auntie is gonna get you yeah. so mommy doesn't even have to worry about it <laughs> well that's good <laughs> so what do you do to relax what is your release oh gosh um it's horrible just watching like really trashy tv and, and <laughs> drinking wine on the sofa when kennison's in bed it's like my my time to myself is so limited that i don't want to do anything that requires me to think yeah like i just want yeah. to like free my mind and not have to worry about anything or think about anything and um yeah horrible reality tv and, and i can understand that line. though that's it i because i i was type person that watched it because i'm like i don't have no drama in my life i'm just watching exactly <laughs> exactly i got nothing going on it's, over here so it. i'm just gonna sit here and just watch it mm -hmm. <laughs> and a really good glass of wine like you said I'm just, uh, okay <laughs> and that's really it. Yeah, that's it what is your favorite thing to do with miss kennison traveling with her yeah yeah <laughs> y'all go we, to some pretty awesome we've places done some pretty cool trips um so and she's she's so good about it we really? went to paris was her first well her her first international trip would have been the bahamas but mm -hmm. she just enjoyed the beach there but yeah. um paris was the first one where we went to museums and she Ooh. got really excited to go to the louvre and to see the mona lisa and um yeah so like just to see her excitement her excitement yeah. and like you know to, for her to read books about paris la madeline and um you can just to see yeah to see her excitement and, and now she's like oh i'd love to go back to the eiffel tower and i'm Aww. like gosh to have that experience at that age is great it is. Um, it is. It's something that they're always going to remember. Exactly. Exactly. So I think we love to travel and we love to shop. She's my little <laughs> shopper. So between she those two add, things. She just adds to your, exactly. <laughs> to your addiction. Exactly. Okay. And lastly, we always finish our interview with the question, what is your mom hack? Oh, my goodness. Um, I 
I know this is like the worst one ever, but no. the iPad, <laughs> I, I have to use, Screen I have used it as, as a babysitter yeah. before, you know, if I need 10 minutes of peace or if I needed it as a single mom while I'm trying to get ready in the morning, mm-hmm. she, I, she would ha- have breakfast and the iPad would be her We'll be sitting there. Be with right her. there. Yeah. Because it would entertain her, and I knew she wasn't into anything. Yeah. Um. That's screen time is probably the worst worst mom hack ever. But yeah, I, you got to do what you got to do, and I, and it's one of those things where you can't feel guilty for it. Yes. Because sometimes you just need. Sometimes you, you just, just need, need it. You gotta go take a shower or exactly. you know something. You exactly. have to go and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and sharing your story with us. Absolutely. Um, I will put the link to her article at D Magazine, where y'all can learn more about everything that she does here at Godwin and Bowman. And thank y'all again for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Four Moms Podcast. I just want to say thank you to all of our family, our friends, and our supporters. I want to give a big thank you to my husband and my kiddos um, for just embracing me and supporting me on this crazy journey that I'm going on. Um, Like I've said before, go ahead, subscribe, leave us a review so that we are able to reach more moms, more women, and so we can keep encouraging them to go after their dreams and we can expand our mommy community even more. Um, Thank you again for listening, and I cannot wait for y'all to listen to the next episode.